You're about to hear a message that was preached at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, Florida. At Calvary, we exist to help people take their next step with God. And we pray that this message helps you do just that. How's everybody doing? Hey, we are glad that you're here. Happy Boxing Day, if you didn't know. That day that, uh, we, don't know any, we don't know what Boxing Day is. It started in the British Empire, but it's really only being celebrated now by Amazon because they are getting boxes back for sure. But this is also, welcome to also the weirdest week of the year. The, the last few days of the year is, it's like stepping into its own vortex uh, because we're not really sure what's going on. People are off work. They aren't sure what day it is. And uh, have, you, have you had experienced anything like that? Yeah, you're like, what day is today? Some of you are like, today's Sunday? I had no idea. Like, you're here. And you're like, you weren't even sure. And, um, but there's a, it's a weird time. All health concerns go out the window because it's not the first of the year yet. And then, because that all starts on the first. Well, truth be told, it starts on the first Monday. Of the, you, you ever have those, those folks? They're like, I'm starting on the first, and it's like a Thursday. What kind of a madman starts anything on a Thursday, right? Things start on Mondays, or they don't stick at all. And so, um, but just so you know, I wasn't uh, planning on teaching this weekend, but the person who was scheduled to teach couldn't make it, so I got called in from vacation uh, to teach, and I usually take this weekend off because this is the lowest attended church service of the year at Calvary. So I figured it's a good weekend for me to slip out because no one would notice since most people aren't going to be here, but you guys were here. So I figured I had to be here if you guys were here. So, and I appreciate that. I, 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 I really do. So listen, so I'm just saying like, be gentle with me because I've only, I, I got, once again, I got called in 72 hours ago. And so if this is a dud, I want you to remember that. All right. If it's a banger, then forget it. And happy, happy new year. Um, and I'm glad that you guys clap because, listen, I love 10, 10 a.m. service. They're good people. They love Jesus. They just were not awake. I asked a question in the service, like, hey, just by show of hands, no one raised their hand. And it was, it was a question about do you have goals? No one raised their hands. And I said, uh, I said, wow, okay. I said, so is it that you don't have any goals or you're not awake? And they were like, yeah. And I'm like, so you don't have any goals and you're not awake. And they didn't respond to that either. So anyway, we were just praying for this thing to be over. And uh, so, but I'm glad you guys are into it. And so, well, let me, so I'll start, I'll start here because this, this will help. So I guess it was, my son was about, he wasn't even two at the time. He's 12 now, my son Xander. So this is probably going back 10 and a half years ago or so. We were at Disney World and uh, I was, I had given my son a bath. I put on his PJs. I brushed his teeth. And then I had told him to hold on to the toothbrush for a minute. And so I was carrying him. I looked away for a moment. And when I, when I turned back towards him, he stabbed me in the eye with the toothbrush. And so, which once again, sounds bad, but my eye was minty fresh. And, uh, but the, the downside of it is I couldn't see. Uh, I couldn't see out of one eye and yet, and I just figured, man, that feels terrible. I'll wake up the next morning and be fine. And I woke up the next morning, we're going to one of the parks and I still couldn't see out of, out of that eye. 
And the weird thing is I was driving and it was like, it was messing with my depth perception. And so my wife was like, Bob, 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 Bob. And so anyway, it, 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 it was like, hey, this is the first ride uh, that we're on. And, and it's, you know, we're not even sure that we're going to survive it. So, um, but my family's prayer life was doing awesome at the time. So anyway, that was funny, by the way. Um, so anyway, do you guys have goals or are you just tired? And uh, yeah, okay, very good, very good. So we're going to have some, well, I guess if I have it after, it doesn't matter. I was going to say, we'll set some espresso up, but you guys will be leaving. I don't care if you're awake after you leave here. I need you to be awake in here. So anyway, but transitioning from that, uh, the challenge that we have, right, is that there's this place that we want to get to. And we think about this, and once again, it makes sense. We think about it every time a new year is going to start. There's, there's a place we want to get to, right? We, we want things to be better than they are now. We want our marriage to get better. We want our kids to do better. We want life to get better. And, and once again, the problem that we have is the same problem that I had when I was driving down the road after I've been stabbed in the eye. We don't have perfect vision. We don't see everything crystal clear. Instead, we only see things from our limited vantage point and perspective. And, and once again, whether you're young or old, we all suffer from it. The challenge is if you're young, you have all the energy in the world. You just have no experience to guide you. And, and, and once again, boy, you got a real problem if you don't listen to wise counsel when you're young, because once again, you have tons of energy, but little experience, but if you don't listen to wise counsel, you're going to have problems. What happens for those of us that are a bit older is that we don't have as much energy as we did, but we have experience. Hopefully it's good experience, but that even good experience will cause us to think that everything that's coming is going to be similar to everything that's happened. And the problem with that is how could anyone have predicted the last two years? impossible. And yet, so because perspective is limited, and that's just not the challenge of being young. That's the challenge of being human and living in the real world in real time. And so we have this obstructed view, if you will, of life because of our own emotions, decisions, and past experiences. And because of that, getting to our destination becomes challenging. But then something happens. A person comes to know Jesus and they submit themselves to the will of God, and the obstructions start to fade, the haze begins to lift, and we start seeing things more clearly. And it's not that we see every decision perfectly, we see every fork in the road perfectly, and we know which decision to take, but what happens is we start seeing him clearly. And as we start seeing him clearly, we start hearing him clearly, now we start, as we focus on him, we know what turns to make and where to go. And listen, maybe, maybe 2021 wasn't what you had planned. I don't know anyone that 2021 was what they had planned. And, and you had some ideas of how you thought it was going to be, and you had some hopes and dreams about what you thought it was going to be, and you were setting things up to be better than ever. And instead, you got stabbed in the face with a toothbrush. And what tends to happen as we get closer to a new year is that, and listen, we all do this, is that we start making these resolutions that are total overreactions to the bad decisions we made in the previous year. 
Or we set the most unrealistic goals that even if we quit our jobs and abandon all responsibility, we still would not be able to reach them. And so we, we just start, you know, so what are you going to do this new year? Well, I know this. I'm going to read a book every week and I'm going to lose 50 pounds and I'm going to CrossFit every day and I'm going to become a concert pianist. Um, and aren't you really? And, um, and it's like, listen, those are all good things. But to, to think that it's like, I'm going to make this like shocking, you know, it's like, hey, I used to spend hours a day on social media, but now I'm going to spend hours a day reading books. And I used to lay on the couch eating Twinkies, but now I'm going to CrossFit and eating those disgusting protein bars. That's what I'm going to do. And by the way, if we can just have a sidebar for a moment about these, this whole protein bar business. Why is it that people who eat protein bars feel it's necessary to evangelize me on protein bars. It's like, dude, you want to eat protein bars? That's your business. Do what you need to. But everybody's like, you just haven't tried the right ones. No, I've tried many of them and they're all disgusting. And I had a guy, uh, and he's a nice guy, but he came up to me. He's like, Pastor Bob, I found the best protein bar. Okay, good for you. And he's like, no, it's really, it's the best. It tastes just like Oreos. Now that's high praise. I love, I happen to love Oreos. And he's like, you need to buy a box of them. And I'm like, okay, first of all, I'm not buying a box of that. Uh, but I'll buy one. So anyway, I go to the store and I buy one. They're exactly like Oreos. So I, and I, because I, I, I try one and it's gross because protein bars are of the devil. And so, and, and I tell my friend, I'm like, hey, I bought your, the protein bar and it was disgusting. And he's, because it didn't taste anything like, and he's like, well, that tastes exactly like Oreos. And it's like, how come you don't say that on the front end? Like, how about you just develop your own flavor and then we come running to you? And the, that's just the problem. And it's, once again, it's hard to mask the taste of death. And that's really the problem. And that's what is found in every protein bar. Anyway, just, I feel so much better now that I shared that with you. Um, so let me, so we're going to be in uh, the book of Isaiah, chapter 43. And, and what I want to do is, and this is important for you to note. And so what, if you're listening to me or any other pastor or teacher, whether it's in a church setting or on YouTube or whatever, you got to always ask this question. There is no verse in the Bible that is set in a vacuum, right? Every passage of the Bible is set in a context. And so sometimes you're just here, well, I'm just going to preach on this one verse. And they never tell us like, what was happening that made that prophet say that thing, that made that person do that thing, that made those, those people believe that thing. It's like, what's happening there? And so uh, in Isaiah 43, what I want to do is set the stage for you before we look at these two verses or three verses, um, or four verses actually, uh, in particular. And the stage is this, is that God is speaking to Israel through the prophet Isaiah, and the people are afraid. The people are afraid. There's lots of things happening in the world at that time and um, of an empire that is conquering the world named Assyria. And God is telling the people at the beginning of Isaiah 43, he's telling them that no matter what's happening in the world or no matter what happens in the future, he's going to be with them. And listen, there is no greater comfort and if you have kids, you know that to be true, is that if your kids wake you up in the middle of the night because they're, uh, they're, they're scared, the thing that you first assure them is, I'm here with you. Everything's okay because I'm here with you. And, so, and that's the thing that, that God does with them. And then he does this thing, is that God then recounts all of the times that he has saved Israel 
throughout their history. And, and he says, listen, the fact that you're still here, the fact that you're in the land and that you're flourishing is proof that I keep my promises. You are witnesses of that. And then he gives them the bad news. And he says this. He says, uh, and he says this around verse 14 of Isaiah 43. And it's kind of a strange verse, but he says this. He, he explains to them that the ba- there's this empire that's going to rise. Don't worry about the empire that is, Assyria. There's an empire that's going to rise uh, based out of the city of Babylon. And the Babylonians are going to rise up, and eventually they will come and carry you captive. And he's giving them this prophecy 100 years before it happens. And then he says something in, that I think is so fascinating in verse 14. He says, for your sake, I will send Babylon to you. And you're like, for your sake, I'm sorry. Uh, that sounds, the fact that this empire is going to rise and the empire is going to carry us away captive, that doesn't sound like good news. And, and God is saying, I'm doing this for you. And, and it's like, well, what doesn't that, that sounds a lot like the judgment of God and how could that be good? And it's like, well, it is bad in the moment, but what God did through this is what was so powerful because it changed them. Now, prior to the Babylonian captivity, the people of Israel had entangled themselves in all kinds of issues. They had gotten involved in idolatry. They got involved in worshiping of false gods. And the activity of worshiping these false gods led to these heinous acts that God is saying, it's so bad. It's so bad, it had, he, he's saying, the only way that I can fix this is by kicking you out. I know this land I gave you, I'm kicking you out for 70 years. And here's what happened. They go into captivity, and it was a rough 70 years. And then when they come back out of captivity, they never went back to the things that had gotten them kicked out in the first place. That captivity cured them and future generations from ever going back there. And you know what happened? when they came back into the land, there was this expectation that the Messiah was coming. And with every passing year, the messianic expectation grew greater, leading up to the coming of the Messiah that we celebrated yesterday. So God has, in the middle of this, a message for the people as he sets the backdrop of what's happened in the past. And he says, I want to talk to you about what's going to happen in the future. And in the middle of that, I really believe that God has a message for us about what he wants to do in our lives now as we lead into a new year. And I just want you to know, and there's so much out there about how to set proper goals and all of that. And, you know, I don't want to spend all of our time talking about tactics uh, and and strategies and whatnot. I, I want to talk about three shifts They're mental shifts, they're spiritual shifts that need to happen if we want things to change. And that's true at the beginning of a a year. It's true at at any time that you want to see change happen in your life. There are three things that have to change in our hearts. There's three things that have to change mentally. There's three things that have to change in our spirit for things to be different. So we're going to start in Isaiah 43 in verse 18. Here's what we read. He says this. He says, do not remember the former things nor consider the days of old. Pause there for a second. I know you're like, man, we're just getting started. I know, we're going to get there. But so if there is going to be change, the first thing I've got to do, if you're a note taker, is this. I, I need to stop being obsessed with the past. Most of us have a wrong relationship with the past. Instead of allowing the past to be our instructor, we let the past be our definer and let it tell us who we are. 
And that's just a bad decision. The past should not define you. And if you allow your past to define you, it will consume your present and cause your future to disintegrate. Because once again, the thing that we have to learn is how to turn the page and move on. That's why the thing that God tells the people as he's explaining to them, look, we're going to move into the future. Here's what you need to do. Don't remember the former things. That word in Hebrew doesn't mean just forget what happened. Erase it. No, that's not what that means. The word in Hebrew to remember is this. It it literally means to mark something so that you remember it. If you are weird like me, and I still have a paper calendar in my house that we we have uh, for our family. And so... But there are certain days that we circle on the calendar and we physically circle it so that it will serve as a reminder that something big is happening. And this is the thing that God through Isaiah is telling the people, don't do that. Don't circle and highlight and star and bold the former things. Don't give extra focus to the former things. He's saying don't, don't let it define you instead. Instead. Uh, and, and just as if we didn't get it. He says, don't remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. That word consider in Hebrew means to study or analyze something because that's what our tendency is to do in the past. You ever get into an argument with someone and then after the argument is over, you start thinking about what happened, right? This is like the ESPN top 10 and you're like going through like, what were the top 10 moments of that argument? And then you start rethinking the, well, they said that word, what? what does that mean? I wonder what that word means in Greek. And, and, and you start kind of, and then, and, and you do that, you just start replaying it in your mind. And then like, I wonder what they meant by that. You ever uh, get a text from someone and you read it to them uh, or you read it to someone else and, and you start adding your own inflection on what that, uh, so, uh, so you just, someone sends you a text like, hey, what's going on? And you're like, can you believe? what's going on? Like, that's what, you know, what, that's not what was said. They just, and, but once again, we're, we're adding this, and this is exactly what we're doing, is that we just, we keep playing the scene over and over and over. And listen, the reason that we can't move on many times is because we keep circling and highlighting and bolding and starring the past, and we keep studying and rehearsing and keep going over it. Listen, God is saying this, if we want a fresh future, We've got to clear the deck and start focusing on other things. You cannot erase what happened. And I'm not asking you to act like nothing happened. What I am saying is, is that we cannot give the past our best energy. Uh, In a parallel passage, seemingly, the Apostle Paul picks up this idea in Philippians 3, and he says this. He says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and Reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal, the prize, uh, the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And I love that that phrase, the upward call of God. That God wants you to focus on not where you've been, but where it is that you're going. The future that he has for you. Why? Because your past doesn't define you. The call of God on your life is what defines you. Now, I had this happen to me recently, and maybe you've had this experience. You ever run into someone that, from high school that you haven't seen in 20 years or something? And I, I, I had that. I graduated high school in 1991, all right? So um, 
George Bush, not George W. Bush, his dad was president when I graduated high school. So just to kind of date myself a bit. So you were like, like prehistoric times. And so like, I remember, you know, I graduated high school when Old Spice was just called Spice. And so, you know, I said that joke at 10 o'clock and no one laughed. And I was just like, you people need Jesus right now. Like we're doing this right now. Anyway, so I appreciate that. So, but I ran into a guy that I knew in high school and I mean, he was still there. He was stuck in 1991. And, and he was talking to me about like starting a band. And I'm thinking to myself, like, we were talking about starting a band in our junior year. And, and he's still talking about starting a band and he had long hair, which by the way, nothing wrong with having long hair, except he had zero hair up top, none, and really long hair in the back. And it's like, it was like, now, and I'm not saying it was like a mullet. I'm saying, I'm saying there was no hair here. And it was long, it was like an extreme mullet. And, and, I'm, and I'm looking at this. And I'm just thinking like, dude, you need to let go of the past. Your hair has already let go. You need to just follow, the rest of you needs to follow suit. And, and listen, but here's what happened. The guy, he just turned high school into an identity. And we look at that and we say, dude, that's ridiculous. But do you know that that's why what some of us do is that we actually turn a moment in our life a mistake, an error, and somehow we decide that that thing that I did do or didn't do or said or didn't say somehow has now defined who I am? Listen, whatever it is that you did, whatever mistake you made or the addiction you had or the destructive emotion that you leaned into, that's who you used to be. But if you really believe that Jesus transforms people, then Instead of obsessing, circling, highlighting, starring, and bolding, all that stuff in the past, start obsessing about the person that God wants to transform you into. You circle that on the calendar, you study that, and embrace those promises, and listen, you're going to see the amazing things that God can do. So God says in verse 18, Isaiah says, don't remember the former things, nor consider the days of old. He says in verse 19, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now if you pause there and give me your attention, second thing I want you to note is that I need to create new habits. I need to create new habits. I want you to notice something in this next verse that we read that's so important because it's what God wants to do in your life. He says, I will do a new thing, or literally in Hebrew, is I will do a fresh thing. You know what that means? That means I'm going to do something that you haven't seen before. It's not like, hey, what'd you get for Christmas? I got a new pair of shoes. Don't you already have those shoes? Yeah, but I just got a new version of the old shoes that I had. Instead, that's not what he's saying he's doing. He's saying, I'm doing something totally brand new. It's totally different. Because remember, as I told you, he in the earlier parts of this chapter, God is recounting how many times he has saved Israel and been faithful to them. And now he's saying, listen, this time, it's not going to be like that. It's going to be something totally new. And that's why he describes this fresh thing that he does as a road in the wilderness or a river in the desert. It's a path that no one has taken before. And if that's the work that God wants to do in our lives, 
A lot of times we talk about, man, I want God to bless me. But we never talk enough about, I want to be the person that can handle the blessing that God gives me. Because some of that is on God. God blessing me is on God. Being a person who can handle the blessing, that part is on me. That part is on us. And so we've got to think about what kind of habits do I need to make a reality in my life so that I can receive and handle the blessing that God desires to give. And listen, you and I experience this all the time. Listen, you gave your kids gifts at Christmas and your decision to give them a gift at Christmas was based on what they were able to handle in their level of maturity, right? Your son that has turned 10, did you buy him a car? No, unless you are not well, right? right? Instead, you bought, maybe you bought your son a bike. And so, and once again, because you're like his age, his maturity, the law, uh, all of that, right? All of that, we're, all those things we're factoring in. So if that's the case, what do we need to do to become people that can handle the blessing? I'm gonna give you three habits that listen, if I could, if I could wave a magic wand and get you to care about these three things, um, I would do it because it's so important. And uh, so here, here's, here's one. Number one, if you're a note taker, get financially free. You know, there's only three types of people. The haves, the have-nots, and the have-not-paid for the stuff they have. That's, that's, that's who, who is out there, right? And, and listen, this needs to be the year. This has to be the year that we get the education to become financially free. When my wife and I got married, um, a friend of ours bought us an amazing book as a wedding gift. And it was, it was a book called The Complete Financial Guide for Young Couples, and the author's name was Larry Burkett. And uh, the book taught us uh, how to get out of debt, how to live on a budget, how, the, the strategy for knocking out credit card debt. And there was a chapter in there, like uh, I believe the chapter was called Your Dream House is 20 Years Away. And it was about how to how you get, like start at home and then kind of, uh, you know, flip those to get the house that you've always wanted. And you got to just put that like, hey, the, 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 the house that you really want is 20 years away and all these are stepping stones to getting there. And listen, my wife and I, I mean, we... We looked at that book like the 67th book of the Bible. I mean, we were, we were walking through that, and, and we, within 24 months, we were completely out of debt, and we're grateful we've been able to stay that way for more than 20 years. And the funny part is, now this is the funny part of this little book, is that um, my friend who bought it for me, we're still, we're still really good friends with him, um, and I said to him, like, man, uh, we were at, at his house not that long ago, and I said, man, that book that you gave us, for our wedding. Dude, that was so, such a powerful book in our lives. And I, I, I don't know if I've ever thanked you for not just the gift, but like what that gift represented in our lives. Man, it just, and uh, it really mattered. And um, he's like, oh, which book did I get you? And I'm like, oh, it was the, the book by Larry Burkett, The Complete Financial Guide for Young Couples. He's like, man, I'm so glad you like it. I, I'll have to read it myself. And I'm like, whoa, what? I've talked about this book at Calvary for years. And it was just a few months ago that he and I had the conversation. He's like, yeah, I should pick up. I'm like, what? You've never read it? He's like, no, I was walking through a bookstore, and I thought, man, what am I going to get Bob and Carrie for their wedding? And I saw that it was for young couples, and I thought, yeah, they're broke. This should help them. And, uh, and so, and I bought it for you because I thought, you, and I said, dude, I have based my entire life on the biblical principles that were in that book. He's like, man, that's awesome. I'm going to get myself a copy. And uh, so... There's, be careful what you buy people, I guess is the, is the real message of this. But, 
My, the point that I'm making is, is that, listen, I'm, even, whether he had read it, I, I don't even know if he knows how to read. Um, but I'm glad, I'm glad he got it for me. Because I learned at the age of 23 that financial freedom was not a pipe dream. That it was a reality if, uh, if I was willing to be intentional about it. And stop being in the cycle of spending it before I made it. And I spent my whole life paying off the past. Um, and listen, we, we, we talk about this every once in a while at Calvary. And this is not a message on giving. This part has really nothing to do with me um, or Calvary. Except that um, there is a biblical principle. And that is in Psalm 37. The wicked borrows and does not repay. But the, the point that I want to make is, is that now is the time to get some financial education and, and make sure that you have a budget together, you get out of debt, if you start a college fund for your kids if you haven't done that. And so we, we don't teach this, we just host it. Um, financial Peace University, it's something that we do. Uh, Dave Ramsey and his team um, teach it. And this is all just designed to help you get your financial world in order. And uh, my wife w- and I would have done anything for a class like this when we first got married because we needed the help. And so... Um, if you are like most of us, you didn't get any financial education in school, your parents didn't teach you anything about financial issues, and so I'm just encouraging you this. If you check it off on the connection card, we'll get you the info on it, and um, you can decide to sign up for it. But you, you, never are, you can't not embrace the future if you spend your entire life paying off the past. And that's really the point that that, that I'm making. That's one habit that I think is vitally important in this new year. Here's the second one. Start reading the Bible. And when I say start reading the Bible, I mean start reading the Bible every day. As Christians, listen to me, uh, we have to read the Bible daily. And, and the, it isn't, when you say, man, I just want God to speak to me. We can't be open to God speaking to us if our Bible is closed. No, the Bible gets open and our ears get open to the thing that God wants to speak to us. And you've just got to make a decision. And once again, I don't know any Christian that's like, yeah, I'm just not really into the Bible. I'm a Christian and I'm trying to walk with God. But no, the problem is the reason why we don't read the Bible is because we just aren't intentional about it. And that's why, and that's why we don't. And I'm just asking you to be intentional. And I know sometimes, well, you know, I just don't really have the time. Listen, if you have an active social media account, any active social media account, you know that report that you get uh, every week about like how much time you spent on your phone? Um, if that is over five minutes, you have plenty of time. And so, but the reason that we don't read the Bible is because we just don't have a plan. Um, or the, the, I, I have people tell me this, and I do not recommend this. And like, you know what I do? I just open the Bible at random, and I read whatever, I, I read whatever it's, uh, I open to. And I'm like, that is terrible. Is that what you do in your pantry? I just grab whatever ingredients and, um, you know, I just, right? I mean, could you imagine the horror that would come out of that kitchen? All right, nobody does that. It's like, I just open the Bible, whatever it says. You know, I mean, I call that Bible roulette. And uh, that is not a great, you know, I just open the Bible. And what did you read? It says, and then Judas went and hung himself. So I didn't like that. So I opened it up again. And then Jesus said, go ye and do likewise. And then I opened it up again. And Jesus said, what you do, do quickly. And uh, so, no, you know what happens? And listen, we've been trying to model this for you at Calvary for years, that we just take books of the Bible and we work through them chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and reading the Bible systematically gives you the best opportunity to understand the context of what's written so that God can speak to you. 
So listen, if, if you are, and I hope you are, interested and you say, um, I want to read the New Testament. If you've, once again, if you haven't ever read through the New Testament, it will take you five minutes a day. Um, and that's, that's it, one chapter, five minutes a day. If you check it off on your connection card and we'll send you the link uh, so you can read through the New Testament. If you want to read the entire Bible, it's about four chapters a day. It'll take you about 15 minutes of reading. But if you want to just say, hey, I just want uh, to read the New Testament, that's fine. Then, once again, it's five minutes of reading. And even if you went to public school like me, you can handle five minutes of reading a day. And so here's the third one, and this is, I think, really important, and that is invest in your marriage. Man, if I could wave a magic wand and, and cause you to do this, I, I would do it. We do all kinds of, we invest in ourselves in different ways, and we invest in our kids so much. Um, but listen, your marriage is the most important earthly relationship that you have. It is the most important earthly relationship that you have. And, and listen, this is, this is, and sometimes we think, no, 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 it's my relationship with my kids. No, that is the second most important relationship that you have. The most important relationship that you have outside of your relationship with your heavenly father is your marriage. Because the greatest thing, by the way, that you could do for your kids is show them a mom and dad who love each other. But a lot of times we just aren't intentional about marriage. And what I'm asking you to do uh, this upcoming year is just be intentional in your marriage. Commit yourself. That's like, hey, I'm just going to, you know, what if you committed yourself to like, hey, my spouse and I, we're just going to go out at least once a month on a date. That's not hard. The problem is it's, 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 it's also not hard not to do. But you decide, you know why we do, and this isn't just for um, married couples, for everybody, but the reason why we did this date night, uh, this, this comedy night, is because there's got to be great opportunities, and we want to create opportunities for couples to get together. And the reason why we're doing it, we did it on uh, Valentine's Day weekend. We do it at, it's going to be at six o'clock so that you can come to this comedy night and we're going to be together and laugh together. And then you're going to be able to go to dinner and have this, this amazing night talking and reconnecting. And once again, and the reason why it's so important, and this is why we do our couples retreat. And once again, and by the way, I tell people this and people are like, man, they really come on strong with the couples retreat. We, it's not because we have to, we sell out our couples retreat every year. And every year, about two or three weeks before the, the event, we have couples that call us, hey, we decided that we want to go. It's like, sorry, we're sold out. But yeah, but you can make room. I can't build rooms at the Ritz. I'm sorry. I can't do it. They won't let me. We have, and once again, we take over, I think, more than half the hotel when we're there. But you've just got to decide. And what you decide, and once again, that's all set up in the lobby. You can sign up for it. And it's like, you sign, it's like 50 bucks a month or something. And you're, man, I can't afford that. And if you can't afford that, you need to cancel Netflix and Disney Plus and whatever other 14 uh, streaming services that you have. Don't even get me started on streaming services. <laughs> By the way, you want to make a million bucks? Let me, show, let me tell you, give you an idea that I've been talking about. See, there was this thing years ago that was called cable. <laughs> cable was, you made a decision to get all of the channels. And then a company said, we will get access to all of the channels and you just pay us one fee and then that, that's, that's what we did. It was cable. Now, everybody said, well, we don't want that. I'm cutting the cord. Cutting the cord. Getting rid of the, I'm getting streaming service. Now, you're subscribed to 85 streaming services. But some genius is going to come along and talk to all those streaming services and say, hey, what if you just paid me 
and we could get access to all the streaming services. And you know what you should call it? Cable, because that's what it is. We're just going to end up going back to it, except we're going to pay triple the amount. Anyway, there it is. Enjoy. So, not only did you get good biblical insight, you also got a multi-million dollar idea while you were here at church. What else do I need to do for you? All right? So, but listen, here's the point. Here's the point. 2022 will be defined not by your intentions. It will be defined by what you are intentional about. It will be defined by the habits you create and the things that you follow through on. Last thing, he goes and says this. He says, forget the things of old. He also says, I'm going to do a new thing in verse 19. And then in verse 20, he said, the the beasts of the field will honor me. The jackals and the ostriches, because I give water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen, this people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. Last thing I want to tell you is that I'm going to honor God with my decisions. In the verse that we read, I want you to notice that God wants to do a great work. He's saying all of these, even the animal kingdom is going to honor me. And then he's, and he's like, and I'm doing all these things. I'm creating a new way. So the, the encouragement is for his people to honor him. If you decide that you're going to honor God with your decisions, you will have a much better year than you will have if you decided to do things on your own. Because one of the things that's important for us to understand, and, and, and it's a total misconception, is that we think that God says something is sin because it's somehow for his sake. Like, no, God says something is sin for our sake. And that's the, the point, is that no one has ever been better off by ignoring the things that God has said. And this is part of the key to knowing God, is that the better that I know God, the more that I will know what it is that God wants me to do. That's why, once again, in Proverbs 3, one of the more famous verses in the Bible Uh, Solomon writes, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And once again, what does that mean to acknowledge God? Well, the Hebrew word is yada and it means this, it's used almost 900 times in the Old Testament and almost every time it's translated this, to know. You could say, know him in all of your ways. Well, okay, how do I know him in all of my ways? All right. When you were a kid, and your friends would ask you to do something, and they said, hey, ask your parents if it's okay, and we'll go do this thing. And you already knew what your parents were going to say. And they were like, hey, do you want to go do this thing? Nope. Well, why not? you got to ask your parents. Nope. And uh, I, I remember when I was in, uh, living in Boston, I was in 6th, 7th, 8th grade, and my friends would say, um, and they called, my friends called me Rob, and they were like, Rob, do, do you want to sleep over uh, my house? Nope. Uh, why not? Uh, look, it's not that I don't want to, but my parents are Cuban. They don't play like that. And so um, I, I don't like to ask my parents questions because it gets very problematic for me when I ask questions that they already know the answer to. See, my children get in trouble when they do something wrong. I grew up, and maybe you did too if you had crazy Cuban parents, um, is that you got in trouble for just asking too many questions right? And it's just like, that's why, you know, so I just had to limit contact. Uh, Hey, how you doing? How's school? Fine. Everything's good. All good. All good. Heard you almost got kicked out of the eighth grade. Working it out. Uh, Going to night school. I don't think night school is available when you're in the eighth grade. And, uh, but listen, and why, why didn't you ask? Because you knew them. 
because you knew them in all of your ways when you recognized, I knew what my mom was going to say, so I didn't even bother asking. I was acknowledging her, knowing her, knowing her decision and the thing that I would do. This is why, listen, spending time with God is so vital. When you decide, I'm going to read the Bible, I'm going to pray and try to get what I read into my mind and into my heart. I'm going to come to church and I'm going to get God's word in me as I hear the Bible taught. All the while, what you don't realize, and this is the thing that's happening, is that the more that you hear the Bible taught, the more that you're reading it, the more that you're trying to get it into your heart, you're learning to hear God's voice. You see, there's a reason why Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. When I watch how God works in my life and the lives of other people who follow him, when I, see, when, I, when I read God's word and see how God is working with his people and working on his people and working through his people, I start learning what frequency God is speaking on and I'm able to recognize when it's him. When I'm not home and I call my wife and she puts me on speaker, I don't ever have to announce who I am. Like, hey, uh, guys, this is your dad, social security number, right? I, I never have to do that. I just say, hey, guys, what's up? And they immediately know my voice and know that it's me. Why? Because the depth of relationship causes them to instantly know who it is. And my friends, my encouragement for us in this upcoming year is that we would get to know God's word so well that we would know that it's him who's speaking when he speaks to us. Listen, that more than anything is our mission in 2022, to know his voice so that when he speaks and he calls us, we know it's him and we know what to do. Let's pray together. And Lord, we want to thank you. Thank you for wanting to speak to us, wanting to lead and direct us. And we pray that more than anything, this year would be the year that we hear your voice, we hear you leading and directing, working in and through us, And God, we're asking that you would do an incredible work in our lives, that you would bless us and that we would be people who are prepared for the blessing. And we pray it in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If today you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's one of the best decisions you've ever made. And we as a church want to help you with your next steps. You see, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. And in order for you to receive that gift, all you have to do is visit mycalvary.com forward slash begin. Don't forget to tune in next week for our next podcast. God bless you.